This year I was blessed to hear uh, many testimonies and to, to hear of God's supernatural work as He transforms and saves sinners. Uh, in particular, I had a few of you guys in mind, and I was praising God for the many ways in which He used uh, the different situations in life, which at times may have seemed like um, would lead certain believers to turn away. But God in His kindness uh, preserved them so that they would bear much fruit and bring Him glory. And this is what our passage deals with uh, this morning. Our passage this morning deals with the importance of remaining in Christ, abiding in Christ, also that we would bring Him glory. And this can only, only be accomplished by being in right relationship with Jesus, which comes by depending on Christ and His Word. Uh, so this morning, I'd like to invite you to join uh, me in turning to John chapter 15. And we will be reading um, the first 17 verses, but we will be focusing on the first eight. Uh, if you're going to use a pew Bible that's in front of you, you can find the passage on page 901. 901. John 15, verses 1 through 17. This is the word of the Lord. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may, be, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has none than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have, I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you love one another. So our main point this morning, if you're taking notes, is that God's purpose for Christians is that they would bear fruit that brings him glory. And this can only be done this can only be accomplished by being in right relationship with Jesus, which comes by depending on Christ and His Word. 
Now, this morning we're going to spend some time here in the Gospel of John, a, a Gospel where the writer, one of his desires is for his readers to know that in Christ there is life, that there is eternal life in Christ. And the context for our chapter or for our passage this morning lands right after Jesus finishes a conversation. And there in verse 14, in the last verse, he says, rise, let us go from here, speaking to his disciples. It's probable that this passage took place as Jesus and his disciples were walking to Gethsemane. The disciples knew that Jesus would be betrayed because Jesus had just finished revealing um, the Father's plans to them. Jesus had already warned them that this would work out for their good. And Jesus comforted them by telling them that he wouldn't leave them alone. He told them in chapter 14, verse 16, I will send you another counselor to be with you forever, referring to the spirit of truth. And so Jesus, on his way with his disciples, turns to them and tells them this parable. This is the context where Jesus tells them, I am the true vine and you are the branches. Just as branches provide fruit by being connected to the vine, so you will also bear fruit if you are connected to me. In our passage, we find the seventh of the I am uh, sayings that we find in the book of John. When Moses came before the burning bush, God revealed to Moses himself to Moses saying, tell the people that I am is who sent you. And in, God, in John's gospel, we find these sayings that are connected with Exodus chapter 3, where Jesus reveals himself as the true vine. I am the true vine, as we see here in verse 1. The I am sayings deal with Jesus revealing himself as the bread, the true bread, the light, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection, and the life. And in our passage, he reveals himself as the true vine. The vine was a treasured plant in the Mediterranean world and is still today due to, its, uh, to what it produces, uh, grapes and vines and wine. And in the Old Testament, the vine is frequently used as a, sim- a symbol to refer to the nation of Israel. For example, in Psalm 80, the psalmist describes the nation of Israel as a people who was taken from Egypt and planted in Canaan. Now, it's interesting to note that every time this, that Israel is described as a vine, it's always used to highlight Israel's, the, the truth that Israel never produced the fruit that was expected of her. For example, in Isaiah 5, the prophet describes Israel as a well-cared-for vineyard who was supposed to produce grapes, but instead produced wild grapes, grapes that were no good. This vineyard was planted in good soil, according to the prophet Isaiah, was protected, was provided for, but still it did not produce the fruit that God intended it to, to produce. Israel was corrupted as a nation and did not provide the good fruit. But here comes Jesus, the true vine. A few hours before being crucified, Jesus revealed to his disciples, I am the true vine. 
Israel as a nation was a shadow pointing to Jesus, the true vine. And all of the fruit that the nation of Israel could not produce for being unfaithful would now be produced in Jesus through his disciples. And this is where we read in John fifteen five, I am the vine and you are the branches. And in verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you that you would produce much fruit that abides. Now, a question that comes to mind is, why would Jesus choose some for himself? Why would Jesus choose some for himself to be saved? And the answer, as we see here in our passage this morning, is to produce fruit. In verse 5, we read, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, what kind of fruit is Jesus talking about? What kind of fruit must a believer produce? This question is important because when we hear uh, of the word fruit, there are many things that can come to mind. Some may think that fruit means leading some to Christ through the preaching of the gospel. Uh, others may uh, believe that it's uh, discipling these new believers until they come to maturity. Others believe that they have to do with good deeds or character that is produced in the life of the believer. Others believe that it's the fruit of the Spirit for the building up of the church. What's certain in our text is that Jesus does not explicitly tell us what kind of fruit he is referring to. However, as some commentators point out, two in specific, whose study of John 15 helped me understand this passage, help us understand that the fruit born in the disciples is a reference to the many evidences of growth and its results in the lives of believers. Now this would include love, Christian character, and reaching out to others and sharing the gospel. It's more than just obedience. It's the mutual indwelling that entails a growing absorption of Jesus' teaching in one's understanding and life practice that issues or that responds in the bearing of much fruit in one's own character, one's relationship with others, and Outreach to those outside the faith, says one commentator. So the fruit is nothing less than the outcome of the working of the Spirit in the life of a believer. As a believer depends on the vine, which comes through faith in Christ as one embraces Christ's teachings. From this we come to see that the fruit is, and here we uh, will see four things that we notice that the fruit is the mark of a distinct Christian, is a distinct mark of a Christian. In verse 8, we read, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Whoever does not prove this kind of fruit does not produce the kind of fruit. Whoever does not produce this kind of fruit proves to not be a believer. 
By nature, someone who is connected to the vine will produce some kind of fruit, not because of the depend, not not because one's uh, of one's self-effort, but because of one's dependence in connection to the vine in which the life is found. Jesus said that a tree is known by its fruit, and those who are connected to the vine will produce fruit, fruit that reflects the character of the vine. So we see that. A distinct mark of a Christian is one who produces fruit. We also find that fruit is produced as a lifestyle. Fruit isn't something that is just uh, produced occasionally, once in one's life. So, for example, if we were to lead someone to Christ and that person were to be saved, it's not just about sharing the gospel once and seeing one person come to Christ. It's a lifestyle of living in obedience to Christ, of obeying His commands and His teachings, of letting one's life be shaped and molded by the teachings of Jesus. It is one reflecting the character of Jesus. This is what characterizes a believer, fruit as a lifestyle. We also find that this kind of fruit is not always produced in the same way in all believers. For there in verse 2 we read that every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Also in verse 5 we read, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. From apart from me you can do nothing. And in verse 8, we read, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. We find here that the ideal for each Christian is not that we produce fruit here and there. Instead, that we continue to produce fruit, fruit that brings God glory. And there are different seasons in life where, we were, where the Christian will bear different fruit. Sometimes in more quantity, sometimes in less. Uh, And this is one of the things that we learned in the parable of the sower as preached by AJ a few months ago. Uh, In Mark 4, 8, we read that when the seed falls on good soil, it produces uh, grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So it's possible for us to produce fruit different amounts of fruit, different fruit in different seasons of life. And last, we also find that Jesus teaches us in this passage that the fruit in the believer is that which glorifies the Father. In verse 8, once again, we read, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This verse is important to understand what Jesus is teaching us here. This passage that we're dealing with this morning goes hand in hand with what Jesus had just taught his disciples in chapter 14. Jesus taught his disciples about his return to the Father after his death and crucifixion. Uh, If you turn with me to John 14, verses 12 and 14, we read, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, 
that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So then, we can ask, who is it that will do the works that glorify the Father? Because in 1512, Jesus says, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in verse 13 and 14, he says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What Jesus is not teaching us that we will glorify the Father by our own strength, by our own efforts. Jesus is teaching us that whatever we ask the Father in His name, He would do it through us in such a way that the Father would be glorified in the Son. Because in verse 13 we read, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that my Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it for the glory of our Father. The only reason that a believer can bring God glory is because Jesus dwells in the believer. And it is his work in the life of the believer that produces this fruit that brings God glory. It is Jesus that glorifies the Father because he is himself the glory of the Father. In, in John's gospel, in John 1.1, 1, 1, we read, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. In verse 14 of chapter 1, we read, And this word became was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And the author of Hebrews writes in chapter 1.3, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. So we see that, that when Jesus manifests his life in the believer and through the believer, the Father is glorified. The Christian is united to Christ in the same way that the branches are united to its vine. And the reason that a Christian can produce fruit to the glory of God is that the life of Jesus flows in the life of a believer, of his followers. And this is why we read in John 14, 21 through 23, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So then what is the fruit that characterizes the life of all believers? Someone said, It is the life of Jesus in me being lived out and manifested in me. If we look at the metaphor that Jesus uses in our passage, a vine and its branches, we can ask ourselves an agricultural question. How are grapes produced as they are connected to their vine? Is it due to the branch's great strength and concentration? Is this what produces the grapes in a branch? Does the branch say to itself, All right, branch. Let's concentrate and let's produce much grapes or many grapes. We wouldn't say that this is the way that grapes are produced. We would say that the fact that branches are connected to the vine is what makes it possible for the branches to produce 
the grapes because the life of the vine is what extends or what produces grapes in branches. In other words, on our own, branches cannot bear any kind of fruit, no matter how hard the branch tries. We cannot bear fruit on our own, no matter how hard we try. It doesn't matter how much we concentrate. It doesn't matter how much we go out and do. Out of our own strength, we cannot produce fruit on our own. If Jesus is the the vine, and we are the branches, and we are connected to the vine, we will live lives that are connected internally and intimately, intimately to Jesus, and we will produce the life of Jesus. The character of Jesus will be reproduced in our lives. The reason is because Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. Brothers and sisters, practical Christian living does not depend on our own strength. Christian living depends on the strength of Christ. It depends on the life of Christ. If we have repented of our sins and trusted in Christ, we have a responsibility in our sanctification. But no one has the ability to transform himself. The transformation that takes place in the life of of a believer is the result of Jesus living in his believer and transforming the believer. It is Jesus who transforms us from the inside out so that we would reflect him, so that we would produce fruit that glorifies the Father. And what is the purpose Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Verse 29 says, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. So what is the great purpose of our salvation? The great purpose of the salvation of the Christian is that we would come to reflect Jesus Christ and thus glorify the Father. This was the purpose of Jesus coming into the world. As Christians, we believe that God created the world and He created the world good and perfect, including people. But people willingly rejected God and and turned from Him rather than living for Him decided to live for themselves, declaring their independence, and so earning God's righteous judgment and condemnation. But God in His kindness sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to seek and to save the lost, all who would repent and believe, repent of their rejection of God, repent of their declaring their independence from God, and trusting in Christ, Christ would come and save and recreate giving us new hearts to produce fruits that glorify God as we reflect Jesus. So the purpose of Jesus coming into the world is not simply to make people happy apart from Him. The purpose that Jesus came into the world was not to give everyone a big bank account or to provide us with many friends. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. 
Jesus came to save sinners who rebelled against God. And Jesus is now at work in those who repent and believe, undoing the effects of the fall, producing fruit that reflect his character, that prove to the world that God is trustworthy, that his word is good and is trustworthy, and thus bringing him glory. Our response then as Christians is that the Spirit, as we submit to God, the Spirit dwells in the life of the Christian and naturally begins to produce fruit in the life of the believer. Which in Galatians 5.5 we read, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And in Galatians 5.22, Paul doesn't say these are the fruits of the Spirit. He says the fruit of the Spirit. Because it is only one fruit that reflects the life of Jesus as it is manifested in the life of the believer. So what is the believer's responsibility in the process of producing this kind of fruit? Well, brothers and sisters, if you are desiring to produce this kind of fruit... We will see in the text, we see in the text that the word fruit appears six times in the first eight verses. And then in the remaining verses in chapter 15, it appears two more times, specifically in verse 16. And what's interesting about our passage and this chapter is that there is no command to the believer to produce fruit. Some commentators believe that as Jesus was walking with, with his disciples... They came across a vineyard, which is what led Jesus to use this example to teach about himself being the vine and his disciples being the branches. What Jesus did not do is call his disciples and say, disciples, you must do everything that's possible to bear fruit. If we think about it in in natural terms, when a married husband or husband and his wife know one another, naturally, according to God's will, life is produced. And life is produced not because of the heart effort of the man or the woman, but it is simply the gift of God who chooses and blesses according to His will. Children. And the woman, when she conceives, when she is pregnant... She is not the one who puts the pieces together in her womb, but it is the Lord who brings together. And it is the Lord who produces the fruit. Well, in the same way, God, we find here, Jesus commands His disciples to abide in Him and His his disciples in Him. And He produces the fruit in the life of the believer. John 15, 4 says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. And in verse 7, you abide, If you abide in me and my words in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 
And by this is my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The aim of the Christian life, then, is not to bear fruit or to produce fruit. The aim of the Christian life is to abide or to remain in Jesus. Because if we remain in Jesus, naturally, we will produce fruit. Jesus is uh, the one who said that whoever abides in him and he in, in Jesus, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from him. We can do nothing. If we can do nothing apart from Christ, this highlights our dependence on Christ. If we want to produce fruit, we must abide in Jesus. So then what does it mean practically to abide in Christ? Believers are united to Christ according to Scripture. All who have repented of their sins and placed their faith in Christ belong to Him. And nothing can separate us from the love of God according to Romans 8. One commentator describes abiding in Christ as to maintain a spirit and an attitude of entire dependency on Christ. It is the consciousness of my helplessness. It is the realization that apart from him, I can do nothing. In other words, it is to abide in Christ, to, uh, to abide in Christ is to, to depend on Christ every day of our lives. It is to be in communion with Christ every day. It is not just the few minutes that we spend with Him in the morning. To abide in Christ is not just the hour and a half that we spend with Him on Sunday morning. It is to come to a wholehearted understanding that we are dependent on Him every day in every area of our life. It is to believe that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Now, if you're like myself, we have busy schedules, busy lives, and it's easy for us to go to work, to go to school, or to even to do spiritual things all without depending on Christ. So I ask you this morning, if you are a believer how is your attitude in your labors that you do or partake of throughout the day? Is it one that approaches your tasks with self-dependence, thinking that you can do all things by your own strength? Or is it one that acknowledges that apart from Christ, you can do nothing? As we turn to reading the scriptures in the morning, is it a mere exercise of just reading the text? Or do we come to the text depending on Christ, believing that apart from Him we cannot understand what we are meditating on? If you're a parent, do you parent with your own strength, with your own wisdom, with your own knowledge? Or do you parent your children with a, with a dependence on Christ, knowing that apart from Him, you can do nothing. Earlier, we mentioned that in Galatians, regarding to the fruit of the Spirit, 
we said that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We will not be able to grow in these things unless we are connected to the vine. Why? Because it is the life of Jesus that produces the fruit. We can go to work and interact with our co-workers without depending on Christ. We can come to church without depending on Christ. But the fruit of John 15, by which the Father is glorified, cannot be produced without depending or abiding in Christ. And this is where we see our sinful pride, isn't it? Imagine a branch looking or speaking to another branch saying, How many grapes have you produced this week or this season? Look at all the fruit that I produced with my own strength. It would be foolish to think that a branch is dependent, is independent. Branches depend on the vine and Christians depend on Christ. It is only through Christ that we can bear fruit. And verse 1 tells us about the Father and His involvement in the believer's growth. In John 15, 1, we read, My Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, this passage has sometimes been interpreted as a passage where one can lose one's salvation. But that is not what this passage is addressing. Um, It's believed that the abide in me passages can be pushed too far. Um, And this is what leads people to believe that this passage is referring to a believer losing their salvation. That's not what this passage is teaching. What this passage is teaching, it's aimed to comfort believers, teaching that all who believe in Christ are preserved until the end, but will naturally produce fruit by nature of being connected to the vine. And so here we find that the Father, it is the Father who prunes His people. It is the Father who prunes uh, disciples so that disciples would bear fruit. This passage helps us understand that all true believers will produce some measure of fruit because fruitfulness is a mark of a true Christian. What the Father does in the life of those that belong to Him is that He cleanses the believer through different trials in life, through different means that the believer wouldn't choose for himself. And so the Father uses the good in the bad, the uncomfortable situations in our life, all to glorify Himself as He prunes believers. So if it is the Father who is in charge of pruning those that are His, also that they would produce more fruit, then we can find comfort in that all things in this life work together for the good of the believer. When you find yourself in a difficult situation, a a situation that you did not expect. You can trust that it is the Father's, um, that the Father is at work using that situation to show you your dependency on Him, to prune you so that you would bear good fruit, so that you would not be prideful in depending on yourself. 
It is the work of the Father sanctifying so that you would grow to love Him and hold Him as more valuable than the things of this world. The Father shows us our dependency on Him so that we would produce fruit because we cannot do it on our own. One of the things that I meditated on this week that took place this year was, and I've shared this in the past, is that our house was broken into um, for the second time in eight years. And the first time, I had bad re- a bad response. Uh, I was a Christian for about two years, and I was still attached um, to the things of this world, and I responded with anger, with wanting to take vengeance into my own hands. But when it took place the second time earlier this year, by God's grace, I was able to see the work of the Father in my life in the past, in the past six years, as He transformed my heart so that I would value more His Son being in right standing with Him and not the things of this world. And it was in light of that that I was able to praise God this week and say, Father, thank you for pruning my heart also that I would detach, so that you would detach me from the things of this world so that I would come to love you. And that led me to believe God is trustworthy. When he uses what the enemy would mean for evil, God turns it for good also that we would be sanctified for the glory of his name, proving that God is good and trustworthy. That there is no uh, greater thing than his son Jesus Christ in whom there is forgiveness of sin and free life for all who believe. So in conclusion, we find that Jesus is the true vine. That fruit is a lifestyle. And to bear fruit, we must abide in Christ. And last, the Father prunes those that belong to Him so that we would bear more fruit. I pray that we would understand that our life depends on Christ. That we would depend on Him every day. Knowing that apart from Him, we can do nothing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the way that You, through Your Word, speak to us to show us where we fall short, to show us the truth of who You are and how You love us and how it is You who works all things together for our good, also that we would produce fruit for the glory of Your name. Father, we pray that Your Spirit would work in us so that we would be depending on Christ in everything that we do, whether in our friendships, whether in our uh, work, uh, whether it's in raising children, whether it's in um, interacting with neighbors. We pray, Lord, that we would remember that apart from Christ, we can do nothing. So we pray that we would grow in our dependence on Christ also, that the, com- the world would come to know that you are God and that you are good and trustworthy. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.